Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard White Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. I'm Pastor Ben Taney from Raymond Word of Faith, the Word Church. And we are continuing to speak today about grace. I love what he says in Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 6. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Just the right time. Everything, we we're told in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that God th- makes everything beautiful in its own time. That at just the right time, no matter what it is that happens, no matter how we might perceive it, at just the right time, he makes everything beautiful. And so here, he says, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So we had no power to save ourselves. We had no ability to save ourselves. We were powerless. And at just the right time, while we were in that state, God, Christ died for us, died for us, the ungodly. We don't often think of ourselves as ungodly. We might think that, well, I wasn't always perfect. We might think, well, yeah, I know I committed a few sins. Yeah, I know that the things weren't always, I didn't always do what I should have done. But we don't think of ourselves as ungodly. That, as he talks about later, we were the enemies of God. That before we were saved, that we were actually enemies of God. And here he says to us that at just the right time, not a minute too soon, not a minute too late, but just the right time, while we were still powerless, while we couldn't help ourselves, while there was nothing that we could do, Christ died for us, the ungodly, that we might be saved. That through his death, through his resurrection, that me, Richard Hoyt Jr., that you, Vince Haney, that all those who have put their faith in him could become the children of God, not through our own works, not through our own effort, but because of God's grace and God's mercy. Amen. I was just thinking about that. My translation says in in due time. What what did you say? In what what time? At just the right time. Oh, that's always a due time, just the right time, same thing. But here it is. That's why the scripture says, "In the day that you hear His voice, harden not your heart." He said, "Because it's always a good time to to be bombarded with the grace of God, and that God's word endures forever. So in due time, it, it's good for the, the people that's going to be born tomorrow." Next year, the people that want to receive God's grace, that free gift, <laughs> it's still good in due time. It's all good, and it's available. Actually, Scripture says that Romans is to all and upon all and available to all who would believe. You can get this grace. You can get in on 
God's mercy and his grace and everybody can be saved. And we all, again, some people don't think they need a savior, but uh, we do because, again, let God be true and every man be alive. If God says you need a savior, you need a savior. And well, I'm always convinced that when Paul wrote, there's no one righteous, he didn't just stop there because he said, no, not even one, because he knew there would be somebody who would think that they were the exception, that there's no one righteous except me. Right. No, he says there's no one righteous, not even one. So if you think that you are an exception, if you think you were righteous, no, not even one person was righteous. We all need God's grace. Again, that we were all ungodly. And that righteousness is being in right standing with God. We're justified. We're made right. And if you're not, the scripture says you're an enemy, an enemy to God, with God. You're in God of enemies if you're not been justified, I mean, declared righteous, justified, redeemed, restored, reconciled back to him. You're, you're an enemy. Well, see, and this is where when people get confused when they, if you ask them about if they think they're going to go to heaven, when they say, well, I've done more good than bad, or I've tried to do good in my life. It is not about any of those things. It is not about trying to do good. It is not about doing more good than bad. You could have been good 99% of the time, but that 1% was enough to make you a sinner. Here's the thing, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. We sometimes think it's lying that makes us a sinner, or it's stealing that makes us... You know what makes a person a sinner? Being, being born. born. Yeah, being <laughs> born. That was me. We talk about that all the time on Faith on Fire. Yeah, being born. and we That's what makes us a sinner is and being I'm, born. And I'm always communicating this to people constantly, either on the streets and Sunday services, midweek Bible studies, because I want people to understand, have understanding. Yes, being born made you a sinner because of Adam. Now, you did what we think of as sins because you were born a sinner. That's the nature you're born with. Right. That's why you got to get born again you get born again you get born not of the flesh but of the spirit yeah and that's what we see that's where you go through the door which is jesus christ because he said no man comes to the father except through the son and he says i am the truth the way and the life you got to come through it there's only one mediator between god and man the scripture says in timothy and that's the man christ jesus see so, and here's where we start to sound i i was telling somebody this just the other day and they said boy that sounds awful dogmatic you're, you're, that sounds like you're saying that Jesus is the only way to salvation. That's what the Bible and I say says. that's what the Bible says. If you don't like <laughs> right, that, right, right, right. if you have a problem with that, right. the problem isn't with me. It isn't with Pastor Vince. Your problem is with the Bible. Well, and here's the deal. This is what I, I think. This is why I think people uh, say that because again, they don't think they need a savior, and they don't have an understanding of what Jesus said when he started his ministry. He said, "Repent and believe the gospel," meaning. I got some good news for you. And then he said over in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Over in Romans, it says those who received the grace of God and the free gift of righteousness shall rule and reign in life. So the goodness of the Lord leads one to repentance. God is good. He has good things. So when somebody have a perception that's distorted, They'll say, well, I don't, I don't want that. I don't need that. But once you get everybody Jesus encountered, if they didn't know him or once they encountered him, they had a different perception about who he was. Actually, the scripture says his fame grew and it just spread it all over. So by the time Jesus would come through a 
a community, they had already heard about his good works. So they were like, hey, I want some of that that he got. I want to remember they were crowds was getting around him. And just wanted the, the woman with the issue say, you know, I, I just need to touch the him. I don't need to really to touch him. But it was th a thrones of people around him because his fame grew. It wasn't because he was such a terrible person. <laughs> it's because he had the, the glory of God on him. Remember after he got baptized, the heavens opened up and said, said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, is the scripture said he grew in stature and in in fame and uh, something else with, with men and God, favor and honor with men and God. So that's the good news. So when people don't have an understanding of God is good, they'll think, oh, I don't need God. Actually, I don't want God because all I've been hearing about is God killed mama. God took her home early. And God, you know, when we have a natural disaster, we call that an act of God. God must have did that. We don't think, and, and that's the devil's biggest deception to make you believe he don't exist. We don't say that was an act of the devil. When a storm come in, we call it mother nature. No, I'm reminded in the scripture when Jesus was going on the other side where the gathering demoniac was on their way over, somebody brewed up a storm to keep them from going there. And I don't think it was God that brought up that storm. That's when Jesus was asleep and the disciples got, a, they were afraid and Jesus woke up and rebuked the storm. Then he rebuked them for letting the storm intimidate them. They were going to the other side to set somebody free, the gathering demoniac. So God doesn't, we, we didn't been programmed, you know, in our thinking to believe everything bad that happened that was catastrophic was from God. Landslides, earthquakes, that's got to be from God. No, Satan still has some power. But he doesn't have no power over you because Jesus now, said, I give you power. And and the important thing is, is, even in the midst of those things, that God still has power. See, in the midst of the storm, Jesus was able to speak to it. Yeah. And it calmed down. Just right. As he well, and, it. and Jesus said, I gave you that same authority. And I want to say this one thing. Uh, one of my pastors said this, and I believe it's true. He says, God's not running the world. And you might look and say, God ain't running the world. No, God's running the church. The church supposed to be running the world. He's running us. Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and he told us to go. He's given us authority to trample over serpents and scorpions over all the power of the devil. He told us to go and don't go in fear. He said, because I'm going to be with you. So he's, God's ruling over the church, you know, the obedient ones. <laughs> so he came to empower. He came to re restore. Jesus was a carpenter. He was a restorer. He came to restore mankind back to God. And when Jesus said it was finished, I've done what you told me to do, Father, it is finished. Then he came back, and then that's when he says, I'm going to give you, he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Therefore, I'm going to delegate it to you here on earth. Go. And then over in another text, he said, Whatsoever, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven. Whatever you don't allow on earth, won't be allowed in heaven. He's running the church, his family. The citizens of heaven. <laughs> That's who he's running right there. But if you don't have an understanding, Scripture says in Proverbs 4, 7, and all you're getting, get understanding. But if people don't have an understanding, and a lot of people got a distorted image of the church, of God, and again, they got it mostly from church folk that didn't have any understanding. They told them, you know, God made you sick. God put that sickness on you. No, he didn't. God can't give you nothing he don't got. He ain't sick. Ain't no sickness in heaven. You can't call down sickness from heaven. <laughs> You can call down healing from heaven. You can't call down sickness. So we want to blame every bad thing on God. And people start believing it. 
People, yeah, they believe bad. Every God's the guy that's going to get you, man. Remember, we used to say it as kids. You better stop lying for God strike you down. I'm getting away from you because God going to strike you down. <laughs> Jeez, God going to strike me down. How many times did you get struck down from lying, Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how many times has Satan condemned you for it? Now, that's the, that's the real truth. Well, it is amazing how, and, and I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, it's almost as if we think God is a God who's up there. He's got a pen in the pad. Right, waiting on you to mess up. for Richard. somebody to mess up so he can write it down. Oop, got another one. Oop, got another one. Got gotcha. Oop, got another one. Yeah. That, that God is somehow in that gotcha business that he's just waiting for people to mess up. God's he's just in the grace business. to sin. Mm -hmm. So that he can catch him at it. But I, I think you're right in the sense that a lot of that comes from a distorted notion that we have as the church. Right. Because I think the church, in some ways, when it starts talking about the Ten Commandments and you got to do this and you got to do that, everybody knows that once you become a Christian, you got to become perfect. Right. And, everybody knows that. Hey, have, that's just like it's, it's written. Perfect. Hey, it's written somewhere. It ain't in the scriptures, but it's written somewhere in somebody's. Subconscious, because that's the lie they've been told. And the scripture says he's perfecting those who are being perfected. Yeah, we're becoming the righteousness of God. We're being transformed into his image and his likeness. We're being transformed by the renewing of... That's a process. A right, lot of people want you to get it'd saved. Be great if it was all instantaneous. Oh, they wanted you to get, get saved today, and tomorrow you don't do nothing else. You ain't going to never miss the mark. You're going to be perfect from this day for If you don't... Uh, the accuser of the brethren is going to get your cousins, your aunties to tell you about yourself with your saved self, Pastor Richard. Yeah, you don't have to make no mistakes. No, that's what the grace see, is that, for. That's, that's the grace factor. But see, this is where we go back to this Ten Commandments. We talked about this yesterday on the show. We, we get saved and we understand we're saved by grace. But then all of a sudden the Ten Commandments come back into play where we start telling people this is what you'd have to do. And this is how you have to live. And then you have to follow this and you have to follow that. And pretty soon people start to think that God's back up there again with that pen and that pad watching me to make sure I don't mess up. To make, and if I do, then he's going to come after me. He's going to somehow get me. This is why you talk to people, and, and it is so exasperating to me sometimes as I talk to people because they're like, one of these days I'm going to get saved. And when I hear that and you talk to them a little more, what they really think is that Christians have no fun. The Christians are sad and Christians want to have fun. Christians want to do stuff, but God won't let them. God's just so mean, he won't let them. Can't do nothing, man. They got to wear some long dresses. You, they can't wear no makeup. You can't they do not, anything. They better not be around nowhere where some alcohol is. They better not just be nowhere where some fun is happening. They, right. I mean, yeah, anyway, some fun happened. They better not be there because I, I get them asking me there, aren't you a pastor? What are you doing here at the beach? <laughs> right. What are you doing at the movies? Uh, what are you doing at the grocery store? You know, they just like, you can't do anything. I'm like, you have not so learned Christ. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So I want to live in the abundance, in the blessing. God's a God of blessing. Now, I hear every once in a while from somebody, and they'll say, you don't act like any pastors that I knew. Oh, I hear that all the time. I see, I see and that's that a, compliment. a compliment. Yeah, right? that's a compliment right there. Well, because thank you. Praise the Lord. You're supposed to always be wearing a tie or a collar. Uh -huh. You're always supposed to be very stoic. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to ever smile. Yeah, You're not right. supposed to ever laugh. You're not uh -huh. supposed to ever have any fun. You're supposed to be toting your Bible, quoting Scripture 24 you hours not have a day. You not tell any jokes or be funny or have any right. joy. That's what I mean. You can't, no joy. You can't. You have to be very stoic, and smiling's not allowed. Right, right, right. And, and so I do. I run into people and say, man, you're not like any pastor I ever met or any pastor I ever met. You're happy. Of. 
Because the first or love and then the next fruit of the spirit is joy. I believe God wants his people to have joy. He does not want us to be sad. One of the fruits of the spirit is not sadness. It is not stoicism. It's love and joy and peace, peace and in the Holy Spirit. Yes. All those things. That God wants us to have joy. The most joyful people in the world should be Christians. Right, right, right. But again, you know what? If it depends on it's your teaching. If you got if you're in a church or around some people, spiritual authority that don't have understanding of who God is and who they are in Christ Jesus, that what what it means to be righteous in right standing with God, uh, being able to stand before God without a sense of guilt or inferiority. If they don't have a revelation of that, Paul had a revelation uh, of righteousness. Same same revelation that Abraham had, and Abraham all he did was what believe God. Believe. And it was credited. They believe God. He believed whatever God said. God says, your name ain't Abraham no more. It's Abraham. Okay. And he knew what Abraham meant. Abraham meant father of many nations. That means, God, you about to hook me up because I told you I ain't got no heir in my house but this one of Aliyah of Damascus or somewhere, whoever he was. And God says, no, I'm going to give you an heir. I'm going to give you some kids. And he said, Abraham, how are you going to do that? I'm 60. Sarah's 65. I'm 85. God says, it was dark. God said, go outside. See those stars? Can, can you count them? Abram. Abraham. He called him Abraham. Abraham said, no, nah, he told him to count them. Abraham said, it's too many to count. That's how many kids you're going to have, Abraham. Guess what Abraham said? Okay. <laughs> he believed God. Right. He didn't say, wow. Abraham. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Here it is, we're right there. He's in, in right standing with God. In our midweek service, we're studying Romans. And one of the questions that Paul, as he's going through this whole thing about being saved by grace, he says, what was it our father Abraham found out? Was he credited to him as righteousness before or after he was circumcised? And circumcision being their right. uh, representative of the law. Mm -hmm. Was he declared righteous before he started following the law or after he before. started following the law? Mm -hmm. And it was before. Abraham believed God. And that's all we have to do. We have to believe that God's his grace extends Forever and ever. It's a saving grace. It's constantly because God knows we're babies when we first get born again. He knows, you know, we're going to mess up as we travel this narrow road. We're, we're going to miss the mark. So he's like, I have a grace for that. I have a grace for that. Some of us have spouses that God's given them a grace to deal with us. I know my wife had to have a, some amazing grace that came from the Lord to, to, to have a husband like deal with me because I'm not the easiest person to live with. Well, see, yeah. <laughs> there's a married, grace for I'll everything. I've been married 35 years in August. And, mm -hmm. yeah, my wife has had God, a said, God has given your wife some amazing I, grace. I recognize I'm fairly high maintenance. Right, 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 right. So God has a grace. And, and again, his, his grace and mercy, they're new every day. We don't know what today is going to bring because it's considered a present. We don't know what's in the present when we open it up. But we know his grace and his mercy is in there every day. And that's what we have to understand. The goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. And when I say repentance, I don't mean crying at the altar, sobbing. Meaning having a mind of Christ, knowing what the will of the Lord is. That's repentance. Re means to go back and repent is always at the top. Go back to start thinking how God is. And we sing these songs and declare this all the time that God is good. Well, yes, he is. He's good, and we say it in the black church. How often is he good? We say all the time. 
He is all the time. In, in, in season, the good seasons and bad seasons, he's still good because his mercies are new every day. You know, if you got up today and you still have, you know, you, there's something, I always say the broke clock. There's something to write about the broke clock. It, it's right at least twice a day. <laughs> yeah, it can be stuck on whatever time, but twice a day it's right. So there's something good in all of our lives, especially the Christian life. Now, we believe we're talking to Christians and igniting others, even Christians that ignite their faith on fire. There's something good happening in your life. Just you being having salvation. Just you being in right standing with God is something to shout about and to be happy about. Well, today is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be, be glad, glad in it. it. He's it made is. this day for me. He's He's created this present for me. Mm-hmm. And as I open this present, as the day goes on, and, and we're not here to tell anybody, oh, your, every day is going to be perfect. No. Every Jesus said in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. Every day is just going to be peaches and cream. No. Jesus didn't Some even say that. Some days aren't like that. Your Lord and Savior said in this world... You will have trials. But then he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome. I've overcome it, guys. You guys are attached to me. Remember he says in John 15, abide in me and my words abide in you. Means stay. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Stick with me. And you're not going to fall over because I'm grounded and rooted in the Father. And if you're established in me, established in the faith, you're going to produce as well. Well, see, and I, that is a promise of God. I don't think we often think of this as a promise. But it is a promise when he says to us that you may face these things, but don't worry, don't fear, because I have overcome. Mm-hmm. That is a promise to us. Right. Because he has overcome, Richard, we will overcome. And that's what you focus on as you go through life. The scriptures run with endurance to race to set before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You look unto God's word. And you make that your primary focus. Yeah, that's don't look the, at the problem. Don't the look at the word first. Yeah, don't look at the word because whatever you remember, whatever you look at, going to grow bigger, and you're going to always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. That's why he say, think on these things. Whatsoever things are good, praiseworthy, lovely, of a good report. So I'm always thinking on what God said, and my emotions flow that direction. I'm always joyful happy because i'm always thinking about what he said yes I'm, I'm conscious of what's going on around me but i'm meditating day and night on what his word says because that's what's going to endure forever that's what he's going to watch over to perform that's what angels hearken to the voice of the word of god and we have the right and the ability to use it I always tell people when you get saved you now have the ability to use god's ability because well, you're an heir with christ you're an heir with god and a joint heir with christ whatever is true whatever is pure whatever is good think on it whatever is excellent or praiseworthy think on these things i'm gonna think on it and why is it that as as believers do we want to focus on the negative i mean right. for mm-hmm. you've you've called it an organ recital i i just i know people the same way where that soon as you start talking to them, all of a sudden they launch into every bad thing that's happening. Man, to my them. pancreas. Oh, my, my ulcer. <laughs> but I mean, every my bad back. thing. Oh, oh, man, this has happened to me today. And oh, my foot's hurting me. And oh, my head's hurting me. And oh, my leg's hurting me. And then I also got some bills I can't pay. And pretty soon they've gone into this litany of stuff. The whole world is just no good. The whole, their whole world is just negative. And so all they can think about is all these negative things which then brings them down more to more negative things. And they just can't seem to escape the whole idea that the whole world's just no good. If you sit around thinking that no, the world's no good long enough, you know what the world's going to be? No it's going to be no good. To you, because we don't see things as they are, Richard. We see things as we are. If you sit around watching your neighbors 
to see what they're going to do that's going to bug you, pretty soon they're going to do something that bugs you. They did it. They did it. I saw it right there. <laughs> did you see them, baby? Soon, Look at them. As soon as now they're all bugging you. You know, you don't like your neighbors. And you got to keep your eye on your neighbors because they're doing this and they're doing that. No, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is noble, think about those things. And it doesn't have to be your neighbor. It could be your brother-in-law. It could be your sister-in-law. It can be you your mother-in-law. It can be your father-in-law. It could be your own parents. Whatever, whatever's good about them, whatever's pure, whatever's true, whatever's noble, think about those things. Well, and, and I like to think about the promises of God constantly because His word are promises. Again, the commandments are, are, are commands with promise. And as you focus and meditate on what God said in His word, you'll have a different perception of things. Again, you don't see things as they are. You see things as you are. And the scripture says, as a man thinks or believes in his heart, so is he. So if you think all is well, that's what the lady over in the Old Testament said when her son was dying. She was going to see the prophet, and she went outside to, to go see the man of God. And some people was asking her how she's doing on her way, and all she kept on saying, all is well. And that's what we have to do as believers. We got to declare all is well. You don't have to go into the organ recital. Just I, I learned to do that, Richard. All is well. How are you doing today, Vince? How's things going? Because a lot of people know we're always either heading towards a storm, in a storm, or, come, or coming out of a storm. And I always tell people, my reply is keep it simple. Let your words be true, the Bible says. All is well. I'm just declaring all is well because let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm going to say all is well. Though he slay me, yet all is well. I'm going through these trials, but all is well because I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. He promised, you know, that his grace was amazing. It was sufficient, and it, it'll save us constantly. We have, And again, if you never meditate or find out what grace means, again, a lot of people think that's speaking over your food, praying over your food. No, his grace is favor. It's, it's the power of God. And, and once again, this grace is about change. It's mm -hmm. about changing people. Because there's, I look back on, on my life before and the things that I believed and the thing, I was a grudge holder. Really? Oh, man, <laughs> I was a grudge holder. He was a grudge holder. You gonna hold a grudge. <laughs> I could remember why I didn't uh, like you long uh, after I couldn't remember uh, why. <laughs> and, you just know I didn't like him, huh? I right. why, but I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember exactly what you did to me, but I know uh, you did, I know. and so I'm waiting. Uh -huh. I'm gonna get back. Uh -huh. And that's what God changed in me probably more than anything else. And that's what he does, though. And so all of us, as we talk about grace and continue in this grace this week, all of us need to realize that God changed me. Yes, yes, yes. And so thank you for tuning in uh, this uh, episode of Faith on Fire. And we want to remind you as you go through this week, keep walking by faith. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you would consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us again next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.